Hey, this is Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty. Today, my 15th guest of the podcast is Mr. Lee Chambers. He is founder of Venom Games and Essentialize. And if you see on the video, he's got a lovely, lovely little logo behind him in his office. How are you doing today, Lee? Well, very well, thank you. And yourself, Stephen? Yeah, good, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Great. So first question I always ask my guests is, what what is Phantom Games and Essentialize? I know you've got the two se very separate entities, very separate businesses. Uh, so talk me through that, and then we can talk about how you got into them and how you merged over as well. Yeah, so Phantom Games is a video game fulfillment company that started as an e-commerce company with me sourcing and supplying games out to customers. I then pivoted and moved down the supply chain to become a wholesaler, and now I wholesale within Europe. And I have a team of associates who deal with the logistics, which is a great place to be. And it's been going 12 years and still going strong, no matter what the uh, winds of business and politics. Uh, and I've decided to take a passion project uh, to found Essentialize, which is a functional life coaching business where we're going to companies and offer small business owners performance training based on looking at the purpose, defining and getting clear on where the goals are, why they have the goals they do, and then looking into increasing their energy through sleep, nutrition, and the focus and movement. We do a bit of mindset, a bit of habits, and the psychology behind why we think, why we do, and why we do the things that we do. So yeah, it's in interesting, and I'm currently pushing on with that. Fantastic. And give a bit more information about both of those in the future. Yeah, cool, dude. So talk to me about Phantom Games, because that sounds like you're completely hands-off now, 12 years on. Uh, I'm pretty much at the point of I source and I source a purchaser, mm -hmm. but the whole logistics and fulfillment is now dealt with by my associates. So it probably takes me an hour a day to function that business, and my associates pretty much do the rest. Uh, with me moving games around Europe, they know the local customs, the local languages, and yeah. they deal with the local suppliers and the local logistics. So it's it's very much easier for them because I can I could try and spread myself thin and learn 13 languages, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's it's always good to leverage really good people that you've built from your network through years of being within the industry. Yeah. And I've got some great people who really helped me to achieve the kind of level of autonomy I've achieved. And I'm happy to delegate that work out to them because really for me, they are great people. Exactly. Let's talk about that word leverage. When did you when did you figure out that you needed to leverage others to help the business grow and help to get where you wanted to be? Uh, so naturally, when you first start, and I'm sure it will go later into a bit of the process of starting, but I was very much uh, a lone wolf. And not really appreciating the fact that you ha you have to utilize other people's skill sets and the fact you can't do everything yourself as much as you love the idea of uh being a self-made man there's no self-made man who's not had the help of uh, many other people surrounding them so what actually happened to me is i was forced to move into leveraging after becoming ill and finding that actually i couldn't do as much as i wanted to Mm. So it really gave me a chance to kind of step back and look at my business from a third person perspective and think, right, I can't physically do everything myself and mentally I can't do everything myself either. There's a lot of great people out there with really, you know, really, really great skills. Definitely. And 
I started to think I've built a network over the years and I really need to utilize that network in a, in a, in a more, you know, efficient kind of way. And I, I thought, I, you know, I've got the chance to delegate work out. I've got the chance to optimize tasks. And ultimately, I can't work as hard as I previously did due to illness. Mm. And I had to take a significant part of my life to rebuild myself after illness. And that really gave me the chance to think, right, how can I use, you know, utilize the people that surround me? And I found the more I trusted them, the more I could, you know, really rely on them to get the jobs done that I needed them to get done. And it taught me to be clear and concise, giving information. Uh, we used Trello boards and video calling to, you know, clarify any situation. And that just leaves me in a place where I know that they can do the job. They know the process is involved and they're very much, you know, they very much do the work themselves now. I will simply send information out and they are in a position to process it. And it's great because they bring different viewpoints from different cultures and different skill sets to my business. So I, you know, I genuinely feel really grateful that I'm surrounded by these great people. Exactly. And all of those skill sets, like you said, you know, you just wouldn't have the time or energy to learn and you're never going to be a master of them. So why not leverage other people's assets, you know, in terms of knowledge and time and all those other things that come with it. Um, but, you know, when you, I think you're, I think you're downplaying it a little bit as well in terms of when you said, uh, you know, I was a little bit ill. Um, it's because from what we said before, it was a little bit deeper than that. And what I'm interested in is the, the mindset of having that, having that, having that grit, you know, having that, need and desire to carry on and go you know what I'm not going to be yeah sure I'm, I'm I'm ill at the moment I can't do what I could once do a lot of people would just go all right I'm going to take time off I'm gonna I'm gonna stop what I'm doing I'm gonna completely change everything in my life you know that people go to that very extreme when when bad things happen to them so why is it do you think that that you didn't and you chose to go down that path of going right now I'm gonna leverage I'm gonna I'm going to keep going. I'm going to build. I'm going to do that side of things. Yeah, I think because what really happened is I spent three weeks in hospital bed, uh, immobile, and that, in a strange way, gave me a chance to really reflect on things. Mm. Obviously, I had concerns about what the future might hold, but the longer I lay there, not able to move, it really gave me a, a certain element of being busy day to day in the business. It isn't actually very often that you get to step back and really yeah. analyze exactly where you're at and i kind of realized that for me i had to kind of I, it it taught me to be grateful that reflection mm. to be grateful for all the amazing things that i had in my life and all the opportunities that i had i even became grateful for the failures because i started to you know process them and realize actually it was the failures and the suffering that had brought me my biggest successes yeah 100%. also given me the you know the resilience uh, and the grit and the passion to kind of think right you know i'm facing a quite quite a severe health crisis but on the flip side let's see how i can come out of this the other side stronger than i went in yeah and I kind of i think that kind of mindset as well as the fact that i have i had a really young family at the time my son was 18 months old and my wife was pregnant and i was stuck in hospital Wow. I'm not able to look after myself, completely reliant on other people. And 
you know, I had to, I really, I had to be strong and I had to have that desire. I will come out the other side stronger. I will be back on my feet, back walking again with my, with my children in the back garden playing, still running the business. So I'm flexible enough to spend time with them before they start school. And I, you know, that, that grit comes from a real strong why. And mm. I had that real strong why of why I wanted to, you know, continue, but actually reflect and think, right, difficulties but I can come over I can overcome become stronger and really push on further and it's it's that kind of mindset where instead of thinking of things as a threat you think of them as a challenge and you don't necessarily you don't necessarily think that negative things are instead of I could have easily sat there and said why has this happened to me you know this this is unfair I've I've looked after myself and suddenly I'm I'm you know seriously ill Mm. Uh, but you have to kind of take the fact that you know life is like a life 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 is like waves you know you're up and down and you will be back up again but you've got to you've got to surf the bottom of those waves to get back up yeah you've got to ride the waves oh know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about the why because you know your your why at that time was was huge and probably probably allowed you to realize how strong the why was as well um, how important is it for people to have that have that drive in their business from that why? Not even sorry, not even their business, right? Just about their life. Because if you don't have a why in life, you you you, you can get very stuck. Let's put it that way. Oh, exactly. I mean, the thing is, when you look at the reality, you, you've got to kind of channel to your underlying purpose. And we all probably have quite a similar purpose, but there's many missions to you must undertake to kind of get close to your purpose and feel fulfilled with your life so for me the actual setting up Fenham Games actually came from a strong why as well because I graduated in 2007 and moved into a graduate job with the Quark Bank on the finance pathway Mm -hmm. Uh, six months in the credit crunch bit and (laughs) suddenly everyone above me was getting made redundant and my boss pulled me in and said look we we can't we can't train you in what we want to train you in. We can't promote you anytime soon, but we can have you trying to sell insurance to people who've already rejected the renewal for six months while we try and see if we can fit you in somewhere else. And I kind of took that as a catalyst to keep training myself mm-hmm. and really that I couldn't rely on the corporate world to pay me a wage. I'd have to go and, you know, do something myself. So I kind of took that at the time as a 22 year old quite personally but i also took it as a as a push towards you know you've got to take that responsibility for yourself you've got to you know have that self-awareness that you can't just rely on other people other businesses because they've got missions of their own Mm. so i went to see a business advisor and put the premise of fenham games to a business advisor and he sat me down and I went through it. I went through my business plan, my cash flow forecast. I basically spent a good two hours telling him exactly what I planned to do. And he sat opposite me, looked at me and said verbatim, said to me, you're young, you're black, you've got an attitude problem. This industry is full of older white men like me who won't trust you and I don't think it's going to work for you. I think you should probably look to go into the developing side mm-hmm. where it's more diverse. There's a younger crowd who probably fit in better. Why don't you consider that? 
and I took that as a as a 22 year old like I don't necessarily think that's bad advice <laughs> but I don't want to conform to what he's saying I actually want to do it yeah it's that there's this common thing coming up already that you you like to prove people wrong I think is probably the the, the easiest way to say it right um yeah. Which I, I see that in a lot, actually. I see that in a lot of founders and a lot of entrepreneurs that, again, it's that inner drive, that inner ambition that actually, you know, not many people are going to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, back in 2007, the, cr the crash, like you said, all these different things. And then you go, I'm going to start a, a game supply company. Everyone was probably just like, Lee, just, you know, get a proper job, you know, get get some security all that kind of stuff. However, you proved them wrong. Uh, and talk me through some of the highs of of Phenom Games and then we can get into how you're now evolving yourself once again into uh, creating Essentialize, which I love the name, by the way. Thank you. So, yeah, uh, what actually happened is I continued working uh, at Bolton Council. So I took a business development job there on the basis that it was considerably less taxing than the finance job at the co-op. Mm -hmm. And that would allow me uh, a considerable amount of time and energy to put into the business. So at this moment in time, I'd actually move back in with my parents to try and ultimately leverage my the capital that I had in the most efficient way possible. So yeah. Phenom Games actually started from a bedroom Back in 2008, right? Back in 2008. So you, you could imagine that there's quite a lot of uh, founders who started something from either a university dorm or a yeah. bedroom um, and have gone on and, and scaled and grown to, <laughs> grown to incredible heights. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really, I didn't expect it to take off as much as it did. It really took off, and by 2012, I my turnover was £600,000 for a micro business where ultimately it was just me. Yeah. So that was uh, impressive, right? Yeah. What did, what did you think then? You know, 2012, you've just you've done a 600k year. What's going through your head? What is happening in your head when this when you're seeing those numbers on the screen? Well, it was actually quite interesting because. Part of me was like thinking, oh, I've made it. But the other part of me was like, you're not a success by far. And I didn't kind of identify as a success. I was so busy doing it, I didn't really identify as anything. Yeah. I, I was still me just doing it. <laughs> uh, and I didn't actually stop working alongside it until towards the end of 2012. So I was still working full time for the first six months and part time for the uh between may and november so i was still working why, then, why was that why were you still working why you could see the numbers the business is doing pretty well what was it that still made you have that job um i think part of it was not actually identifying that i was becoming overly successful i saw the numbers i was doing my own accounting but i was still like oh you know like i don't actually mind going to work and then yeah. going and and do, running Venom games before work and after work. And I was like, actually, I didn't mind it. it there was a social element as well that I wasn't yeah. getting from the uh, fulfillment side. Um, but it, started, it gradually started to take over to the point where I was just working either on the business or at work. So I moved to part-time uh, and then I moved house. So 
it was actually quite a nice way. A part-time job was it was quite relaxing, but it was it was a nice way to uh, meet people in the new area where I lived. Yeah. But I, in fact, I almost used it as a social tool. I didn't even think about like payday because the, the business was you know on another level. Uh, but in November 2012, my son was born. And at that point, I actually slapped myself across the face and said, why, why are you still working? Okay, hand your notice in and commit to spending as much time as you can with your son before he goes to school. Yeah. So that's what I did. And that was, uh, that was the right choice to make. Exactly. So 20, and, you, and the business is still running. You're leveraging from other people's knowledge. You built that team around you why now have you decided to start to launch this new business essentialize uh, what's brought this on how why are you moving into this sort of field okay so i mean it's a completely different field from the one that i'm in slightly talking a different market uh services not products and i don't know in a lot of ways i really like the challenge but it's it stems from as I was running Phenom Games, I was doing a lot of qualifications around personal development. So I've got I did level four qualifications in nutrition, strength and conditioning, advanced sleep practitioner. I got my football coaching badges. So I was on a constant cycle of wanting to keep educating myself, which again came from the why of the quop saying we can't train you. So I was like, yeah. I'll train myself. So I've continued to do courses over the years. And every year I sign up for another course. I'm just, <laughs> and then the assignments come and they want 5,000 words. And I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, really, I, I said to myself, I'm happy to run Fen Games. And it started to take less of my time as I automated, delegated, and leveraged more. Mm-hmm. And I made a commitment to myself that when my daughter started school, I wanted to utilize all these qualifications to build a package together that could help other people yeah and in in the way of the resources that i kind of built part of it was from the educational side and part of it was from the experimental side of having to experiment with myself since becoming unwell Mm -hmm. so to give a bit of clarity i Unfortunately, I ended up with an autoimmune disease, which attacked the connective tissue in my joints. So it attacked both my knees, my right shoulder, my left wrist, leaving me unable to walk for a period of time and requiring intensive physio and hydrotherapy to get me back up on my feet. And unfortunately, I've had to take medication to control my immune system mm. as it you know, continued to flare up. So... I spent the past five years trying to get to a point where I was mobile and well enough. And I've got I've got ambitious goals. I want to run a marathon in 2024. Nice. I've only just been able to cover a mile running recently. So I'm giving myself relative you've, you've got to have big goals for recovery. Uh, and also with my consultant, I've started to come down off my medication, which is for me really important because yeah. I, I want I want to try and control it without the medication. But I, I've had to do a lot of experiments with my nutrition, putting stuff in my diet and taking stuff out to find out what caused me, you know, to flare up and what, you know, caused inflammation in my body. I, I've had to modify exercise plans and movement plans and really look at what I could do because it's, it's a very personal thing. And obviously I have certain limitations. So I've had to work within them. 
I've optimized my sleep and used the technology available to see, you know, what's the best time for me, you know, optimize my bedroom so it's, it's the best it can be so I get a good night's sleep. And what I've found is I believe I can come off medication and control it completely through lifestyle. Mm. And it's given me a lot of time to really dig deep into what my purpose is and what the underlying, like, reasons are behind all the different things that I've done in my life and the things that I enjoy. And, yeah, I kind of see that, like, my mindset for it all, it's something I would like to help other people with. In fact, it's become quite a passion because I really want to pass on both my educational knowledge and my experimenter's knowledge to help other people perform at a higher level. And I honestly feel that there's lots of other people out there like me who are struggling in various aspects of their life. And for me, it's been incredibly fulfilling. And it already is with the first few clients that I've had to really help them get to a place where they're performing better. Yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Uh, what's so inspiring about you is the fact you have this story, right? You have this really personal story of business success, you know, life has tried to knock you down. You've got back up. You've you you've built these things, and this isn't something that's happened overnight either. Like you said, you know, for the last five years, you've been almost like your own experiment in terms of testing and and seeing what works. Uh, how important is it for you that of your story to take that with you to help others? And I can imagine you obviously now. You know, I expect to see you on sort of a TED stage very soon. That sort of level. And um, how important is that story for you to share with others? Yeah, I, I, I feel that really it's, that's become part of my overall mission and part of my purpose. Because what I kind of realized is I've really dug deep into it and done a lot of self-work and a lot of reflection is that all the things I've done over the years, the underlying kind of vibe across them is that actually I like optimizing things and helping people. Mm -hmm. So if you tie them together, really, I'd like to optimize people while helping them. Yeah. So that is kind of where, where my passion lies. And that is kind of the purpose. That's the reason why I get up in the morning. I get up to start my morning routine. And that's the first thing I think of. I'm mm -hmm. going out there today to help people optimize themselves. So that kind of that that runs through runs through my life and my story is I've spoken to people about it and there's people who say it's incredibly inspiring and it's uplifting. For me, I don't I try not to attach too much emotion to it because ultimately it, it's it's part of my identity and it's part of my story yeah. and I'm happy to impart it to other people. What I like other people to do is take their perception and perspective of my story mm. and try to, you know, use it in their lives to see that, you know, failures are not necessarily bad. There's a lot to learn from failures. Like for me, I've had, I've had two businesses that I've set up that have failed. Now, I learned more lessons from those businesses than I have from the from the two that I have that are successful. Sure, of course. And it's, it's really important to kind of teach. And I do go into colleges teaching uh, six farmers about how really you're going to have to fail your way to success and you're likely to have quite a portfolio career where you have to have the mental fortitude to expect that you're going to have to retrain again as jobs become automated, become extinct. Um, and the fact that, you know, the world is, you know, increasing in pace 
So they're going to come out into, into a challenging world. So I really like to give back and explain that actually my journey from school to college to university graduate job was the typical 90s pathway until I, until I hit external circumstances, which took that away. Yeah. But you have to really, you know, have that extreme ownership to say, right, well, if I'm not going to sit here and rely on others or sit here and feel sorry for myself, if I take that ownership, that accountability and run with it, then there's a good chance you'll, you'll kind of fall into doing something which you actually enjoy. Yeah, exactly. and, and it's And it's strange because you have to take the action it's very easy to sit there thinking and mulling it over but once you take the action you suddenly make progress towards where you want to go and sometimes you're not actually clear exactly where you want to go but you will actually get closer to it as long as you take that action and no step exactly that i always say that you know to get anywhere you want you have to implement something in your life right you have to put that first step forward you have to make that choice and that conscious decision to make make a change um you know you've had you've had a lot of changes in in recent years what's what's the biggest difference that you've seen in terms of running a running like that product-based business to the service provider uh coaching style business what's the biggest struggle that you found um well i've found that the as a product-based business the the methods and ways that the market works the video game industry you have to be incredibly agile because it's a it's a technology-based business that kind of focuses around entertainment and as the internet speeds have increased as publishers and uh, designers have started to work in ways to try and decrease the supply chain mm-hmm as in direct to download, codes in a box, and the old physical product side of things is becoming more and more a gift rather than an actual purchase because you don't, you, nowadays, yeah, Amazon do Amazon Prime, but when people can download a game overnight, they don't even want to wait for it to come through the letterbox the next day. Yeah. So it's an ever-changing market, and I've had to pivot and move and be dynamic, which fortunately, as a micro business, is quite easy because beyond myself, I don't have to go to a board to approve <laughs> approve any decisions. I just start to implement them. And you know, usually within a month, I've pivoted into a different direction. And I've always been quite proactive with that, watching market trends, being very switched on mm. and following my industry to make sure that I don't get left behind because that can so easily happen. Uh, but moving to a service-based industry, again, it, it's very, very different, a very different market um, I'll personally be delivering a lot more. And I've gone from very much having a very small core video game network across Europe to now going networking with other business owners and finding out other business stories and kind of integrating myself a lot more in my local area. Mm. So that's been a challenge and I found that interesting. Um, again, like selling a service, it's very different. There's a lot of touch points to sell coaching packages and employee engagement uh, and you know practicing well-being and kind of going out there and offering services that ultimately in some ways are a premium service yeah. not entertainment but development and the element with that is whereas people would come and, and buy a game you know they wanted they knew what they wanted mm-hmm. click click 
but <laughs> very quick process um and people are coming with a defined idea of exactly what they want in terms of in terms of selling coaching packages things are bespoke so there's an element of uh negotiation involved but there is a lot of there is a lot of credibility that you need to build there is a lot of you need to you need to touch and market and see people a number of times to build a relationship and that's kind of that's that's a that's a challenge that i've had to overcome but i kind of i, I really enjoy it because it's different yeah and again, the, the difference between products and services and the different marketplace that i'm targeting and the different pathways that i've taken in this business i've actually quite enjoyed building a website and learning a lot more into seo and because i'm now like in a situation where i'm now business to business mainly with the coaching i am business to individual for some things but i've gone from a uh, business to customer to business to business so it's it's very very different yeah uh, and i've i've really enjoyed you know the di diverse nature of actually doing this and yes. it's it's a challenge but I don't know. I, I wouldn't have done all these qualifications if I didn't like learning new things, I'm putting myself outside of, outside of my comfort zone. And I think that's the biggest thing. In some ways, I started to fall back into my comfort zone a bit too often, having an established business and having a lot of people around me to help. So this, I've really taken this as like a, a personal journey. And because I'm very passionate about it, it's like there is that like attachment to me. So I've kind of been building my personal awareness, been building some brand awareness, and I've kind of been putting myself out there a lot more and getting, you know, stepping outside of that comfort zone into my stretch zone, into my learning zone, and really kind of learning new skills that I hadn't honed or hadn't utilized for quite a while. And that's kind of revigorated me in some ways, and I feel a lot more enlightened for it. That's it. If you don't enjoy it, what's the point, right? exactly and that's that's one of the key things i always found when um you know going to networking events doing that you you are really pushing yourself out there uh, oh, yeah. you know in your in the game business i'm sure and obviously because it was across europe so you were probably doing a lot more things chatting online you know yeah. having video calls and all that kind of stuff but when you're doing a, a b2b or b2c in that sort of sense in the service-based industry it's that human connection that people crave yeah. uh, i think there's so much about online marketing now and how you could you know you could have easily gone down the route of uh oh, i'm just gonna have a webinar that then sells yeah. a pitching course then has the upsell of the one-to-one -one. but actually you made the decision to be personable and be approachable and yeah. get out there and speak to the speak to humans about what they're doing um, do you think that makes a makes a difference in in service based industries? Oh, I, I definitely think it does. I mean, if you kind of look at my passion for it, I want to make an impact, but I I had the I had the feeling that I wanted to impact local people as well as at some point in the future extending out to offer online coaching as well. Mm -hmm. but I can, I kind of feel that that face to face connection that ability to you know build rapport with someone on, on on a personal level and build those relationships is a skill that i wasn't utilizing but also it's something that is really fulfilling to be you know work with someone through a process and it's like you say i i've, I've started networking and my motto is you can't do business if you can't have fun 
So it's uh, it's yeah. it's really interesting and getting out meeting local business owners who you know I wasn't aware of, but the great people. Mm. And I've been networking now for a few months, and I've met some amazing people that you know live only five miles away from me, but are doing excellent things in their industry. And for me, it's it's kind of taken me out of the video game industry to see a whole world of other companies <laughs> and a whole whole world of other industries that unless you're actually in those industries or you're networking, you don't really see. Yeah. So I started to find out about other entrepreneurs' journeys and it's fascinating. I I just, I could sit there and talk to people for days about it, uh, <laughs> but sometimes I just need to be sensible and cut to business. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's I think it's important for service-based industries to, you know, build almost like a, a local network, a local following. And in, in, in a country where you know we're quite small it's not that far to get across the country to meet other other national and local business owners i think in a lot of ways it's good if we can utilize and leverage each other because mm. at the end of the day we are we are together on this little island and at times you know you can feel quite disconnected if you're working you know on an international basis but i honestly believe that we're stronger together and we should use you know the skills of the, of our close associates to you know make our businesses grow make our businesses scale and just build those strong relationships that you know as, as you take off with other business owners and you start new businesses and businesses fail you, you can share and that that level of support from other entrepreneurs is something really important i think there's as more and more people move to self-employed there's a lot of people sat in the garage or sat in yeah. the sat in the spare room, not really getting out there and, you know, speaking to a business owner to get ideas, speaking mm. to a business owners who can help them and just, you know, being a social animal. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're a tribe species. We're supposed to be together doing things, learning new things. And exactly. Uh, you, mean, you, you touched on that earlier as well about, you know, your, your business was doing really well, you did a 600k year, but you still had the part-time job because of the social side of it. Uh, yeah. And I think that gets massively overlooked uh, for founders, even if, you know, I've met a lot of founders that have a have a team, they've got, you know, the swanky office and they've got the, the HR department, all that kind of stuff. But actually, they don't, they still don't have the people that are, are like them in the sort of mindset and the and that journey and they're not and they're not networking with them so they may seem like they have that social social uh experience let's call it but actually when they're sat in their office they're still going oh well there's no one for me to chat to so this is why i completely agree with you in the sense where going to networking events and you know spend making sure that you're you know it's that classic saying right it's your net network is your net worth uh yep. which i i used to hate that saying but actually over the years, it's it's so true because when you're surrounding yourself with people that don't bring you up, you know about it. Uh, yeah. But often you know about it after the case. In the moment, you can't tell. And it, something you else, something else you said about how that you you didn't know about all these different industries and all these different stories and the fact that there was this amazing company five miles up the road. Uh, how important is it? Do you think? for founders and business owners to actually take themselves out of that little bubble once in a while and it, 
expand their vision let's call it yeah i think it's absolutely vital for your own for your own mental health but for your own development as an entrepreneur and a founder because really it's easy to be myopic and stuck inside your own business yeah. and day to day you know you you're running the show you are there but it's 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 very uh it's very natural sometimes to just be focused on the technical on the processes making sure that you know the money's coming in um and micromanaging elements and getting a bit too stuck being being the founder and that's something that you know as i kind of it's happened to me and it's something that i try and you know preach when i'm talking to small business owners is to yeah. you need to step back get in that third person and look at yourself running your business and think, right, okay, you can delegate and automate this. You don't need to micromanage everything. You, your staff, quite often, you will pick them because they've got certain skills, but if you let them grow, they will they will achieve more than you think they could. And like my kind of ideas on leadership is the fact that everyone is capable of great things, but not if you tell them what to do, you've got to give them space to develop it so they can do it themselves and you will get the best out of your employees and your associates if you effectively coach them to do things and not go in with the expectation that they'll know everything, but not just tell them what to do because you're not giving them that awareness and responsibility to grow into the role in a way that they could do. And, you know, as humans, we've got massive potential and most people don't get the chance to use it and if you want people to be innovative and, and use their imagination, then you've got to give them that freedom to create and that freedom to make mistakes and learn so that they can, you know, rebound and do a better job. And if you provide that kind of culture, then that is something that, you know, you will, you will see growth and performance increase, productivity increasing through increasing the well-being of your, your own people. And that's something that I think is underutilized and undervalued in especially in this country and i feel that you know we tend to look at performance as technical as efficiency as speed and actually forget that if you make your workforce happy it only takes you to implant that culture and yeah. one person comes into work smiling everyone else is smiling and everyone else feels that they're actually you know they're being engaged the part of the part of the mission so like we're not talking about bland mission statements which don't mean anything or sort of convoluted this like even the owner couldn't actually deduce it down to tell yeah. you what it actually means they've just googled it and they've gone oh yeah that fits that's What's fit. a lovely combination of words yeah means like nothing and means <laughs> the best bit is where they put up one one or two words up and you could go around the office oh what does that mean to you and you get 20 different variations of what it actually yeah. means and it's like oh, yeah. well no that's what we wanted to happen we wanted everyone to be you know their individuals like come on let's get oh, a it's, uh, listen Lee uh, I, I've really enjoyed hearing your story and hearing what you've gone up to and the journey that you've been on uh, I ask every guest this right at the end it's what are three takeaways that anyone listening to this can take away from your journey and implement into their life okay so the three takeaways I would give is every failure that you have or everything that you perceive as a failure just take a step back for a second and look at what you can take from it to make sure something similar doesn't happen in the future i would say secondly as a founder get yourself out there surround yourself with other founders they're the best sounding board 
they understand the journey and the struggles you've been through and they will be able to impart advice and give you insights that you simply won't get from searching in your own head or you know going home to your family who quite often especially if they're employed they just it's it's a very different different mindset and a different way of thinking so surround yourself with those people and you'll find a great network of people you can speak to about all the things that you're going through both the challenges the successes and the, the, the humps and bumps it's never a smooth it's like a it's like a heart it's like a wave you know you're constantly up and down exactly. uh, thirdly definitely you have to bring your people trust your people and let them you know work themselves and, and almost as a leader bring like a coaching culture in and let them develop have faith in the fact that they can do and then you know utilize your skills to bring them up because yeah. if you bring them up everyone will come up together exactly spot on lee how can people get in touch with you if they want to uh, talk to you further okay so i'm on linkedin as lee chambers uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Essentialized Coach. And you can find me at www.essentialized.co.uk. There we go. Thank you so much, Lee, for coming on to Founders 365. You have been guest number 15. I've been Stephen Hagty. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. And please share away and give us a really good review. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.